The reading is from Psalm 119, verse 121 to 144, and can be found on page 621 in the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back. Ayin, I have done what is righteous and just. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Ensure your servants' well-being. Do not let the arrogant oppress me. My eyes fail, looking for your salvation, looking for your righteous promise. Deal with your servant according to your love and teach me your decrees. I am your servant. Give me discernment that I may understand your statutes. It's time for you to act, Lord. Your law is being broken because I love your commands more than gold, more than pure gold, and because I consider all your precepts right, I hate every wrong path. P. Your statutes are wonderful, therefore I obey them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant, longing for your commands. Turn to me and have mercy on me, as you always do to those who love your name. Direct my footsteps according to your word. Let sin not rule over me. Redeem me from human oppression, that I may obey your precepts. Make your face shine on your servant and teach me your decrees. Streams of tears flow from my eyes, for your law is not obeyed. Chade, you are righteous, Lord, and your laws are right. The statutes you've laid down are righteous. They are fully trustworthy. My zeal wears me out, for my enemies ignore your words. Your promises have been thoroughly tested, and your servant loves them. Though I am lowly and despised, I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is everlasting and your law is true. Trouble and distress have come upon me, but your commands give me delight. Your statues are always righteous. Give me understanding that I may live. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks uh, so much, Peter. Good to see you, folks. Why don't we pray, just as we look at this uh, part of the psalm together. Heavenly Father, we pray for your help and your understanding, whatever age we are, whatever stage we're at, wherever, whatever our circumstances are this morning and whatever has brought us here. Would you help us uh, to understand you and your words, uh, and would it bless us this morning? Amen. Uh, so we are, as uh, Ruth was saying earlier, with this uh, long psalm, and we are kind of nearly at the end of it. It's not quite, but nearly. Um, and we've been looking at the different emotions that the, the psalmist, the songwriter, um, has shown us over the course of this past few weeks over the summer. And the section that we have there, which was just um, read for us by Peter, contains some phrases uh, that you maybe you think wouldn't even be in the Bible, or some prayers that you might think... I'm not sure we're allowed to pray that, are we? Um, Are we allowed to say some of the things that the psalmist says here to God, the emotions that they have, the things that they're feeling? And a lot of what this um, next section focuses on is this sense of longing and that something leads 
to be done. Something needs to be done. I'm going to look at it just with three quick things that we'll go through and have a look. And it starts with this first one that I think in all of us, and I, I don't know about you, but certainly for me, we, we long for a just world. We look out on the world, you watch uh, the news, you follow what's going on, and we long for a just world where good and right things are done. And there is a prayer that uh, the psalmist prays in the middle of this, um, of the opening section that we have here, where uh, the, the songwriter says, it is time for you to act, Lord. Your law is being broken. Something needs to be done. Now, I think this is, I want to just try and show you, I think this is a really universal sense of, uh, that is in all of us in some way or other. Now, you could go back 500 years. You take someone famous like Shakespeare. Shakespeare came up with a a play, uh, a story called Hamlet. You might have come across it. And there was a, it's been played many, many times. I've got a picture here of one. And uh, and in one production, and there's a very famous line in Hamlet where Hamlet says, the time is out of joints. Uh, what he means is things are wrong. Something needs to be done. Something should happen. Uh, if you go back 200 years ago, William Wilberforce, very famous politician um, uh, who worked amongst, uh, with others uh, tirelessly um, for the abolition of the slave trades. Uh, there's a famous quote uh, that, um, is got, uh, of his where he says, uh, in talking about uh, the change that he wanted to see, you may choose to look the other way, but you can never again say you did not know after he had been trying to explain and explain and explain uh, why he felt the slave trade needed to be abolished. Something needs to be done, he was saying. Now, these are examples in history uh, from different points. On Friday, now forgive me for putting a tabloid newspaper headline up, but I'm going to. On Friday, there was this headline on a tabloid newspaper. A message to leaders, our whole country is facing an energy bill's catastrophe. For heaven's sake, do something. Do you see that sense? Actually, it doesn't, you can go back 500 years, you can go back 200 years, you can go to Friday. And that sense that at points we know in us something needs to be done. It is time for you to act, Lord. Your law is being broken. Something needs to happen. This isn't right. The time is out of joint. Things aren't as they should be. And I think what the, uh, the songwriter here is tapping into is something that we all might know. Now, what exactly is the, uh, is the psalmist talking about? Pete talked about tears. And uh, the psalmist saying, My eyes fail looking for your salvation, looking for your righteous promise. It's as though they're sort of looking for that and longing for something to happen. Someone needs to do something, and it, it just doesn't seem to be happening. And so they cry tears of despair and sadness. Um, and if you look down just a little bit later on, there's this extraordinary uh, line that the um, psalmist writes um, in verse 136. Streams of tears flow from my eyes, for your law is not obeyed. That, the, the phrase is actually rivers of tears. Rivers of tears are flowing. Because, they say, I look around at the world and things are wrong. And particularly for the psalmist, people don't follow God's ways. They aren't interested in him. All the psalmist sees is people who want greed Uh, for themselves. They want uh, to do things unjustly. They want their own gain. No one seems to care about God. 
No one seems to be interested in following his ways. Now, if that was the psalmist writing hundreds and hundreds of years ago, and it's been happening throughout history, it should be no surprise to us that we might feel the same thing. And that might be you this morning. It might be you as you look around and think, well, actually, I know that in my workplace, perhaps if you're a child or a young person here in my school, people don't really pay much attention to God. Who's interested in the Bible these days? Uh, Who cares about whether we should have a Christian view of the world or not? It's not the world we have anymore. And the psalmist is saying, look, it, it just makes me sad. It makes me distressed. When Paul in Acts, we looked at Acts a little while ago, he walked around the city of Athens and he saw all the idols and the temples that they had to different gods and it made him distressed. It made him sad. And one of the challenges might be for us this morning, some of us may come thinking, yeah, that is me. I, I look at my situation, I look at the, the life that... Um, I know I look at my family situation and it just makes me weep. No one seems to care about the Lord's. For some of us, it might be, well, actually, I'm not sure the last time I, I remember when I was particularly distressed at that. And it may bring us up short as we read the psalmist here and think, is my emotion like theirs? Do I have any sense of distress at a world that has turned its back on God's? We long for a just world. I think, I think it is a universal in us. We long for something, uh, we long for a sense that the world would actually be put right, that it would be one that acknowledges who God is, that things are done uh, justly and well. And the psalmist uh, is in, under no illusions. They long for that kind of justice, but it can only come from one place. So secondly, only God can bring about a just world. Uh, Let me read um, from verse 129, the the next section there. Your statutes are wonderful, therefore I obey them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant, longing for your commands. Turn to me and have mercy on me, as you always do to those who love your name. Direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. Redeem me from human oppression." that I may obey your precepts, make your face shine on your servant, and teach me your decrees. Streams of tears flow from my eyes, for your law is not obeyed. The secret the psalmist knows, longing for a just world, is that it can only come from God himself. Only God can bring in that kind of world that we long for. And the, the verse that talks about light, the unfolding of your words gives light, you can translate it as... Um, a door through which light shines. God's Bible, the words, God's word, uh, the Bible to us, is, it's a great way to think about it. It's meant to be like a door that light shines through. If ever you've been in a kind of dark uh, um, room or a, a night and suddenly a light opens uh, in, a, in, a, in another room and a, a door opens and suddenly this light is flooded through. That's how the psalmist feels about God's words. I don't know if that's how you and I feel about God's words. That it's like a light that suddenly brings this extraordinary uh, goodness from outside to us. It suddenly lights the way. Suddenly our, our fears and our anxieties, our worries, are, they may not be removed entirely, but they are suddenly seen 
alongside this light that comes into us. And the reason the psalmist sort of pins so much hope on that is because of the situation they're in. Verse 134, redeem me from human oppression. So the psalmist here, we've seen through and over the summer, there are, there are people who are against them. Uh, there are people who are making life difficult for them uh, as a believer. And he's, he's saying, look, would you bring me relief? Redeem me from this oppressive world that I'm in and do so, Lord, I need you to act. I need you to come in and step into my world and help me. And there's a reason why uh, only God can do this. And it comes just at the start of the next section in verse 137. The psalmist says, you are righteous, Lord, and your laws are right. The statutes you've laid down are righteous. They are fully trustworthy. Um, and the image that he's using there is one of weighing scales. Um, and uh, you, the, the picture you might see here of some scales. Uh, this is uh, often a, a picture used of justice and wise judgment. You see the blindfold over the lady here uh, so that she's um, impartial. Um, and she has uh, weighing scales that she's holding. Uh, I believe there's a, a similar sort of statue above the Old Bailey in London that there is a picture of divine and right justice and judgment. And that's what the psalmist is saying God's words bring to us. And because God himself is perfectly just and perfectly good and impartial in how he judges, God is trustworthy. And so the psalmist is saying, look, I see around me a world that is unjust. I see around me a world where um, evil people do evil things. But I know you, Lord, like a light coming through a doorway, you bring your good, perfect weighing scales. You bring your good, perfect justice. Your standards are right ones. Your decisions, your verdict, your view on our world is good and gracious. And so the the psalmist leans on them saying, look, this is who I want to put my trust in. And I guess that's one of the questions that we face Uh, as believers. If you're a believer here, if you're not, there's a question for you. Where do you look for justice? Where do you look and what standard are you leaning on? The psalmist says the only place we can go to is to God himself As he speaks to us through his word, that's why his word is so precious. It's his good and wise and perfect uh, uh, verdicts, judgments, instructions, all the different words that are used for his word through um, Psalm 119. It's his good words to us that we can lean on. That's where we need to go to. And if you think about it around the world, there are Christians who are in countries where they are much more actively persecuted than we are here in the UK. Uh, Christians who face uh, a life not being able to be publicly believers. And where does, their, where does their hope, their reliance come from? If they live in a society where they know they cannot speak of that, where they know that uh, there is injustice, there is corruption, there is no way that they could be publicly a believer for the consequences it would bring about, where do you go to? Where do you lean? The psalmist says we lean on God himself and the words that he brings us. And that's why he delights in them, that's why he leans on them, that's why he, he says, look, you direct me, Lord, show me the right way, show me how to go. So that, those two things, we lo- I think we long for a just world, 
But the psalmist is saying there's only one place you can go and get it, and that's to look to God himself. And I think that can help us finally just to think, well, how do we live for that kind of world? How do we live for that world that only God can bring in? And just as a, a, we'll bring together this final section uh, that he speaks about that and a couple of points that I think can help us perhaps as we, we go out from here and we think about our lives into the rest of the week. How do we live for that world? The first thing is to know that the struggle doesn't go away. To know that the struggle doesn't end. It's, uh, it's an ongoing quest, if you like, to look for uh, and to, to long for a just world. Um, here, are, uh, if I pick up verse 139, this is one of these phrases that, I'm, again, I don't know if you thought this would be in the Bible or thought that you could pray this to God. The psalmist says, my zeal wears me out. My zeal, I'm exhausted, Lord. My zeal has worn me out. Following you, trying to do this, it has beaten me down. I don't know if that's a prayer that you imagined you were allowed to pray to God and say, God, I'm not sure I can do this anymore. I'm at the end of the line. Something needs to be done, but I can't do it. Isn't that extraordinary? My zeal wears me out, for my enemies ignore your words. I'm done. I can't do any more in this world where no one listens to you. Your promises have been thoroughly tested, and your servant loves them. Though I am lowly and despised, I don't forget your precepts. I'm, lo- I'm, 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 I'm just making no progress, is what the psalmist is saying. I'm just not sure I can keep going on. I mentioned William Wilberforce um, at the start. And said, so, you know, you can rewind that sense, that hunger for justice, that longing. Do you know how long he uh, worked to try and bring about the abolition of the slave trade? 18 years. I think it's just about every year he brought a bill to Parliament to try and work towards it. 18 years. Do you think at some point along those lines he said, I'm not sure I can do this anymore. Probably I haven't got it in me. My zeal wears me out. It is really helpful, I think, to know. I think the Bible is really candid. It's really honest. It is really helpful to know that the struggle doesn't end. Actually, we keep going. And sometimes it will feel like we can't keep going any longer and we don't see any progress. And that's why, secondly, we need to know that the struggle keeps going, but we need to know why, then, we seek a just world under God. Because if we don't know why, I think we will give up. Why do we? And it brings us back to that sense in which uh, God's judgment, his weighing scales, uh, his verdict is trustworthy and good. So the psalmist says, um, uh, verse uh, 140, your promises have been thoroughly tested. Now, what's the psalmist getting at? Um, have you ever, uh, or maybe you have over the summer, you need to get a ladder out Um, and you do some DIY or some gardening or whatever it might be, and you have to get a ladder out. And one of the things you might do when you get a ladder out is you you have to test that the ground that you're about to put it on is is stable enough to to climb up it, yeah? So you do that, and maybe maybe you have somebody with you who's holding the ladder, maybe you don't. And have you ever got on the ladder where you've got about three steps up and you realize this is not not stable under here, I'm about to topple over, so you have to get back down again. And and what the psalmist is saying is you're... uh, your promises have been thoroughly tested. I've got the ladder out, and your promises are like the ground 
like the foundation, and I've put a ladder on it, and I've found that they are absolutely trustworthy and straight, and I can, I can stand on them. But it only, only happens by testing that out. And the psalmist has shown us through the psalm, actually the, the ways in which they have leaned on God, depending on their emotions, when they've been up and feeling great, or when they've been low and in tears. I found your, the foundation to be trustworthy. And so that means, why, is it we do, why do we seek a just world? Because God's words to us are good and stable and true, not because we get the results that we might want. And I think this, this certainly helps me. It's not a results-based thing. We don't do it because, we don't follow God's ways because we think, oh, I'll do it because I'm going to see great results. We do it because God is God and his ways are good and trustworthy. And we may not always see the results. It's not an easy thing. The song that we sang, just uh, uh, that Pete um, uh, introduces, I love that song. I want to be like Jesus, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and those things. I want to do those things. It's, those are really important things. It's much harder, isn't it, to love someone when you don't think they are, the, you're not getting the results that you want. It's much harder to, to be kind to someone if you don't think you're getting the, the response back that you should see. It's hard to be generous with somebody if you think that they're just squandering what you're, you're using or, or not appreciating it. Do you see, isn't it? To, I want to be like Jesus. I'd love to be like Jesus and kind of see some great results, please. It's much harder when we don't. But we don't do it because of results. We don't love someone because we think they're going to do the things that we want them to do. We love them because it is good and true and God's word to us says that. Jesus, when he lived, is the great example of this. I want to finish with this. Jesus is the great example of this. I've often wondered, you know, if you, if you could interview Jesus uh, and so shortly after his resurrection and you asked him a question, you know, d- did you find that people uh, um, sort of always, always responded in the way that you wanted them to? What would he say? Well, not really. So at times there was excitement uh, crowds came, seemed to be very pleased with what I was doing. In the end, they hated me. They rejected me. They actually put me on a cross. They abandoned me. By the end, there were only a, a tiny handful left who were still interested. Did I see the results always that I, you might want? No. But Jesus followed his father's ways. He clung to his father's word closely because it was good and true, and stable, and right. That he's the supreme example for us of what the psalmist is talking about. Uh, God's word for Jesus, they, it was his scales, if you like, his judgment, his, his measuring, uh, his yardstick. And it was the foundation for the ladder that he was about to put down and climb. And he's the supreme example of doing and following God's ways, not because of the results that you might get from it, but because he loved his father himself. And I hope that might encourage us as we kind of come into land with this uh, series in the Psalms next week, that actually that's the psalmist longing and love for the Lord's words might be something that we take away from this summer together as we go into this autumn. And the challenges it will bring for us to love and to be gracious and generous to others in an unjust world.
Uh, may that be something we can hold on to as we go in together. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we pray that we might, like the psalmist, uh, we might register our own emotions with you. We might know we can pray bold prayers. Lord, something needs to be done, and we need you to do it. And we pray in the middle of that that we would lean on your words as good and right and stable and true. It would be the foundation upon which we do everything. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.